Hi, everyone. Welcome to Path to Glory, a Warhammer Underworlds podcast focused on competitive gaming, community growth, and player development. I'm your co-host, Amon Kusro, and I'm joined with my other co-host, Jonathan Davis. Hey, everybody. Today, we have a special treat for you. We're actually joined by our guest, Max Bernstein from Battle for Salvation fame. How are you doing, Max? Oh, I'm, I'm a treat. I appreciate that. Uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, big fans of your podcast, and I think I've mentioned this before. Um, one of the main inspirations uh, for me and Jonathan, I think, to start our own. So really happy to have you online. Oh, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Thanks. I mean, I, I kind of felt the same way about Claim the City, so I guess we're just paying it forward. Um, yeah. 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 Shout out to the OGs, Claim the City. OGs. God <laughs> for that shade spire. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess um, we'll start things off in, in regular fashion and and just uh, ask Jonathan. Jonathan, what have you been up to lately in the realm of Underworlds? Um, I have been playing some Godsworn. I feel like it's uh, sort of what I've been doing ever since uh, the release of the uh, – profiteers and guardians because everybody in my local area seems to be playing them and i don't really like mirror matches so i've just been sticking with the godsworn <laughs> um i went to a local event at the uh, warhammer citadel cafe in dallas it's like the grapevine area it's actually the biggest uh games workshop store in the country so it's just lucky that i happen to be near that okay we don't need um, you to brag now come on yeah well <laughs> Just better. I'm just better. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, anyway, I went to that. They had seven people, a couple new players, which was nice. Um, and I came in third. Of course, I lost in the th- uh, first round. I rolled a attack with six dice. Failed that one. I uh, had a ready ready for action on Thedra. They got rebounded. <laughs> so it was just one of those games. Um, but then the rest of it went pretty well. Pretty pretty classic Godsworn fashion. Either I killed them or they killed me and then I scored pure carnage. So overall it was a pretty good event, but I'm still trying to actually win one. <laughs> I totally feel that. I have yet to win with Godsworn as well, but one thing I did want to point out is every time I hear Godsworn hunt, I just think of one person. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Tom Bob. <laughs> Someday we'll be like him. Yeah, honestly, Tom, if you're listening, teach us. <laughs> Yeah, and a shout-out to the guy that won the event, uh, Hanif Shiko. Uh, That's my guy. actually from New York. Yeah, he yep, came down. I've, I've, I've been at tournaments that he's been at. I've, I've never played it. Oh, no, I did play against him once. No, I did. Yeah, when he was playing, he was playing Steel Hearts a while back, probably like mm-hmm. early, really early Night Vault season, and then he switched over to Curse Breakers because why wouldn't you? Yeah, I got to talk to him a little bit, and uh, that's what he said. Curse Breakers are way better, so I don't blame him. <laughs> So. Surprised you didn't call them Thunder Buddies, Max. What's that? Oh, yeah. No, I do. I do. I like Thunder Buddies, too. It depends. I got to feel saucy, you know? Oof. 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 Excited for the sauce. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting I'm getting in there. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still loosening up right now. <laughs> I'll, start, I'll start calling it the Woo Bar in a minute. Don't worry. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's about it, though. Um, I've, I've tinkered with the Guardians and the Profiteers a little bit. Um, I'm kind of just getting used to the current meta and all the score immediately. And like my decks are like eight score immediately now. And I'm just like trying to figure out how to make that reliable. And it's kind of interesting, but still kind of in the middle of all that. No, I, I totally understand the, uh, 
it's been a really interesting meta, and I know we briefly talked about it. Actually, not briefly. We we talked at length about it at our previous <laughs> episode, but um, yeah, the meta does feel a bit strange. And you know, with the impending release of Power Unbound, I just imagine that it'll be uh, qu- quite volatile, at least for a little bit, um, which we'll get into later. But uh, Max, what have you been up to as of uh, late? Well, uh, you know, we did that that Guardians episode recently, and I, it, I was tasked to play the Guardians, so I've just been playing Guardians basically the entire time. Um, but the uh, my other deck um, has been uh, Curse Breakers, just trying, and I've been I've been trying weird stuff lately, just because I want to see. I don't know. I feel like I need to I need to like develop something that's like interesting. You know, like, uh, like, uh, you know, Carlin with his relics decks, like he's the guy who did that, you know, well, he said that it was him and another guy, but, um, you know, or, I don't know, tone decks, I've been trink- tinkering around with those. Um, recently I've been trying to put together a guardian relic deck because I like the idea of, uh, just loading up Gallinghan who deals damage when you try to kill him and he's hard to kill already. Um, so I- I've been, I've been trying that one out, um, and, uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> or at least it doesn't work. No, not at all. Or, or at least it doesn't work the way that I'm doing it. Um, I've been trying to throw in a lot of stuff like, see, here's the problem with Guardians is that they don't have this ridiculous stream of uh, glory that comes in because they're not super killers and they're not like, they don't have like all like the kind of like the passive stuff, you know, faction stuff that like maybe say like the Gits would have. You know, with they get like in a mad scurry or whatever, they can just put a relic on just for that. Um, also, I mean, I only played like a few games with them, and I, you know, I had Spoils of Battle in there, and I had Ghoulish Pact, and they would never come up. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't, it was, it was really difficult, and I was, I wasn't getting good uh, results with them, and I was like, oh, this doesn't, this doesn't work. Uh, the other thing about Guardian, about Relic decks rather, is that um, what do you do in the first, you know? If you drop your first five power cards and four of them are relics, you lose. Yeah, you just lose. <laughs> That's right. So you can't throw them away. That's the entire point of the deck. Yeah. And you can't play with them because it's too many upgrades. And you can't put them on anything because they each cost two apiece. So I can see issues where you might just draw up a bad hand and that's it. The, the game's over right there at the planning phase. So uh, I'm kind of like kind of like over it. <laughs> I think I'm just going to go back to <laughs> good old Curse Breakers and uh, yeah. try to actually win again, which would be nice. Yeah, I, I've i never really played a Relic deck. Um, I don't think it's really my play style, but... Uh, I think th- I like the Guardians more as like a flex or like a control aggro or something like that. I guess I don't know. I haven't been having great uh, great success with it. But uh, on the other hand, like when I I went to a a, a tournament recently at Carcosa down in Brooklyn, where I met Hanif by the way, and um and I and I took the Guardians deck and I saw a guy playing Molog. I'm like, oh, I gotta put anti Molog tech in this. So I took a couple things out and I threw in Cruel Taunt and I threw in um, Curse of the Dwindling. Mm. And uh, and then I never played Molog. So um, <laughs> so I ended up just like sucking for three rounds because I just didn't have enough counterplay uh, against uh, you know I played Gits. I played uh, this guy Alex um, Alexander who won the first uh, BFS tournament. He was there, and he got me in the first round. That was actually a close game, though. He won the second one because he was standing... Uh, we were tied, and he was standing in objectives. Um, yeah. And then Gits got me. 
Although I did do a super sweet move with uh, Nullstone, uh, was it Nullstone Spear and Tome of Offerings on Anslain? Uh, oh, yeah. Killed a get, got two, killed another get, got two. That's that the cool. dream. That was cool. It's great. And But he still won. And then, uh, yeah, and then I played, uh, then I played, what was the last one? It was Reavers. So I won that. <laughs> and, everybody, and everybody at home is like nodding their head going like yeah 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 you would have won that one yeah except the diehard reavers players are like damn you there's like two or three diehard reavers fans out there and it's like look you should bring reavers to every tournament i go to <laughs> i think one of them one of them's matt i think he's on the facebook page a lot but he's just always talking about uh reavers and he apparently has really good success with them so would be interested to see how he's running it because with some of the cool cards that we've seen today on that uh, Warhammer TV spot, um, I just don't know if they just get nuked, right? So really interesting. I, I feel as though, and, we'll, and we're going to talk about this in a little while, I, I, I see, but um, I feel like a lot of those first season warbands are just going to get nuked. I don't know. Do you, is, that, is, that, is that the feel that you guys are getting with that? Because I feel like those first season warbands, they got hit hard. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm. It's almost like we're back to having eight war bands again. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I think. And we have these fun other things that you can play if you want to. Right. Yeah, I think. That... No, I, I definitely think that you have a point. I mean, like the lot, like the logical person in me thinks like, okay, well, you know, new seasons. You know, they've announced a season three. There'll be new mechanics, updated rules, and those warbands will be, like, designed for those new mechanics and rules. So, like, whether you try to avoid it or not, there's, like, this natural power creep. But then, like, the fan inside me, like, the emotional Shadespire, or Underworld's player, excuse me. You see, I called it Shadespire. Is, <laughs> Call it Shadespire. Yeah, it's, um, plug Steven Van. Um, is Always. Now I'm just kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know why I would, I would play them, because... You know, they a lot of them lack range, and none of them are wizards. And the factions that don't have wizards, like Profiteers or Molog, are just out-tempoing them. So it's it's a really interesting conversation, but I do think that as the game continues, we will see seasons progressively. The earlier seasons get progressively weaker, but at the same time, um, it is unfortunate, but I don't know if you can avoid it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, my my well, sorry. Let, let me just put to to that point. Let me just point out a couple things just because I have it in front of me. Um, if you go to all the most recent grand clashes, um, let's just go down the list of decks that are on the top like four. Let's say, um, the one down in Australia, the only two decks that are up are the first and fourth place deck, and it's Night Haunt and Guardians, season two. Then you go to UK Game Expo. Um, it's Guardians, Guardians. Um, Curse Breakers, Molog, uh, that's one through four. Uh, six was uh, Godsworn. Guardians, Guardians, eighth and thirteenth. Let's keep going. The Moscow one doesn't count because it's Russia and it's crazy there. And Steelhearts won that one. I don't know what's going on <laughs> in Moscow, but they seem to have the craziest decks, and it's amazing. If you go, go, everybody out there, go on you know, underworldsdb.com or whatever it is that has all the decks that you look at. Just go to all the ones in Russia, and they're nuts. Um, anyways, but but let's go. Amsterdam Alliance Tournament, Curse Breakers, Curse Breakers. Uh, sorry, Curse Breakers gets. Um, Malog came in third. Yeah. 
Um, moving on. I mean, we can we can you can go down the list. Everything since like April, if you look. I mean, the only thing that I see up here that's not season two. I see Magors occasionally. Mm-hmm. I think Magors have won. They won the very first Grand Clash in the UK this year. Did they? Uh, or no, they lost. And no, I think Cursebreakers beat them. Bryce won in the yeah, final. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And they won. Yeah. They won a uh, LVO, didn't they? St. Petersburg. Yeah. That that was back in May. And, um, and, and in the most LVO. recent Grand Clash, not a single uh, Magors player made it past the first round. Right. And I don't know if that's a fluke. <laughs> Kim, I think it Kingdom has to do Kong. with like. I think it has to do with profiteers just like shutting them down, and then guardians just having that. Like, if any warband can just sit back, because like Magor's game plan every single time is I'm gonna run in and kill you, um, as one is befitting I for like a corn guy. But like, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, you used to play them a lot, huh? Corn cares not, apparently. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care. You you, yeah. you go in, you die, or you go kill. He's happy. And so in this situation, I think because of the prevalence of ranged attacks and spells. Um, they're having they're having a tough time, and I think they're getting shoved out of the meta um, with guardians and profiteers really like coming into their own. Yeah, and they can just sit back. They also have better range, I think. Um, I, I think mathematically, even the even the profiteers when they're inspired, they have range of six usually or something like that. That's way more than Rip Riptooth is five, right? Mm-hmm. Do you can do you consider the, the 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 guy you're attacking to be part of the threat range? Yes, you yeah. do. So, so, so if Riptooth has a movement of five, he has a threat range of six. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah, because I mean, and then the other guys are not that fast. So Riptooth is really only guy, only uh, fighter that you really have to worry about if you're playing, you know, um, any of the other ones, just because you're you're, you're any of those range attack warbands or any like the guardians that just are freaking fast, they they outrange a lot of those early, you know, season one warbands. It's just. It's Not tough. to mention all of the upgrades and boys that benefit magic and range. Yeah. Um, like Archer's Focus is a wicked weapon, but only if you have range. For real. Yeah. And it just is a wicked weapon. So the, that's a restricted slot that you don't have to take. But, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. We probably don't want to go too deep into the meta. But, um, Aman, what have you been up to recently? Um... Yeah, so I've actually not played as many games as I probably should have as of late. I've even slowed down on the blog a little bit. It's been about a month since I posted something, just because um, I felt like there's not really much to really discuss. I mean, there's an overwhelming um, source of information in regards to how well some of the Night Vault warbands are doing, as we've kind of discussed. But generally, I've just been kind of focusing on other aspects of the hobby. You know, I got some contrast paint, so I've been just messing around with it. And also, I've just been prepping for ATC, which is the American Team Championship happening in uh, Tennessee next month, um, which yeah. Jonathan is on my team. And so is Davey from... Oh, yeah, Davey. Oh, good. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Crush, because Davey's... Davey is, like, people... I don't know. Like, he's good. Like, he's really good. Because <laughs> he took Godsworn to, to Adepticon, and they're like, oh, I'm Got in the middle, it's like, yeah, well, he was playing Godsworn when nobody had, like, cracked the code yet. Mm-hmm. But I've played him in cam games. I have yet to beat him. He's really, really smart about placement. And he's very good at not, like, telegraphing anything. He's actually really good at the game. Yeah. You're, you're, 
you're lucky to have him. Well, that's really good to hear. I, I think he is a great player. I think he likes playing some of the off-meta decks. So yeah. I haven't really seen him in a meta capacity. But, you know, just based off our conversations that we've been having already, I'm very excited. Um, I think, you know, Jonathan, you know, I think you are too. So, I mean, it's just Definitely. really cool to have, you know, someone that kind of like you know, but at the same time, like you're kind of surprised in a good way about what they're being able to to do. And so it, it's it's really good stuff. And I'm really excited for it. Um, we haven't really decided on a lineup yet, but we're pretty confident, you know, that we're going to take some of the factions with stronger in-faction cards because of the, the the interesting setup is that none of us can share a card. So, like, only one person gets ready for action, escalation, uh, change of tactics, stuff like that. So um, I will say that we haven't considered a Shadespire warband. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you would. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's... They're they're just they they just have they're hamstrung by all the mechanics that they put in in season two. Yeah. And and then they restricted every card that was good for those warbands. And then they haven't restricted anything worthwhile since. Yeah, so. that is interesting. Um, looking forward to seeing maybe Sphere of Akshi and Tome on a on Tome a restricted list in the future. Yeah, Tome of Offerings. But um, risk. Maybe Well yeah. of Power. Yeah, well, the power is good too, especially yeah. with some of the stuff we saw today. Um, and then just to finish it off, uh, I've been asked to join the uh, John's team for ETC Team England. Oh. So that's really exciting. I'll be traveling to Serbia this fall to represent. Um, for real? Yeah, yeah. I'm, wow. I'm going to be playing for Team England. And so. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, Can it's, it's you really. Do exciting. that? Do you need a British passport or something? How does that work? <laughs> Um, so apparently only three players out of the team have to come from the country of origin. Oh. And, uh, mm-hmm. I guess my dad's a British citizen, so that counts. Oh, okay. Um, sure. <laughs> but, uh. Half, half's enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, hey, it worked for Harry Potter. It, was he half? He was, he was half muggle. <laughs> They're both British, right? No, no, no. He's half muggle, man. He's half wizard. Half muggle. But wizards he's, he's can be British. British. Yeah. 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 Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, the the format for ETC is is very different in that um, we, if at least from ATC, in that everybody can take whatever card they want in their deck. It just have to be five different uh, warbands. So it's really interesting. We had to come up with our warband selection fairly early on and submit it. So we have that. Um, Per John's instructions, I'm going to keep it mum for now. But, um, you know, we haven't submitted decks yet, so we're just waiting to see if Power Unbound will be a part of that. Curse Breakers, uh, Thorns, because he was playing Thorns today. Uh, Malog, um, Profit, one of, one of you guys can play in Profiteers. And I'm going to go with. Gets probably gets gets yeah. I'd go with gets. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what. Do, I don't you know don't have to say anything, either, but so. yeah. But hey, listen. Right. I'm on. Yeah. Just, you know, just blink twice if I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I will stay quiet for now. But uh, very. When excited. is that event? Uh, dude, that's a good question. I think it's the end of August. So it's like it's really crazy in August. I'll like, I think. <laughs> Gen Con, Nova, Nova and August. Then, oh, jeez. So, like, I'm going to Gen Con, then I'll be in Serbia, and then I'll go to Nova. Like, three weekends in a row. So, it's going to be tough on the body, for sure. 
But uh, I'm doing the same thing for Nova too, by the way, because I have like a family thing that we're going to like Italy, and then we get back on Wednesday, uh, and then I have to like drive down on Thursday and then play on Thursday night. Yeah. So I will also be tired. I also think the formatting for Nova is really odd. Like I'm kind of confused and, and slightly annoyed that I have to play like two hours a day for four days. Um, so that yeah, it's weird. So it's if if it's the same as last year because I really went down to play X Wing last year and then I was like, oh, I'm much better at Underworlds. I should definitely do this. And that was my best weekend of gaming, by the way, in my in my <laughs> career because I made cut in both. Um, and I've never done that. Um, so anyway, but uh, let's see. Uh, you do play two on Thursday, one on Friday, one on Saturday, and then they break us up into pods. So it's the top eight, and then like the eight to then like the nine to sixteen pod, and then like mm-hmm. the seventeen to twenty four pod, and it keeps going down. And if you win your pod on the last day on Sunday, uh, you win like. You win like I mean they 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 were giving out like little gift bags for the winners. Yeah. So Randall Randall won one for best painted. So he has like the biggest trophy out of all of us. He has like <laughs> best painted and he got like he got like there was like an expansion in it and he got like, a couple of other things. And uh, I just got that stupid little card. I'm just excited because you I know, think it'll be a fun party. Like it'll just be cool to see everybody, meet everybody from the community, and as most people are going, most of the other content creators and stuff. Yeah, in the U.S. anyway, and like, I don't know. There's supposed to be a lot of time for free play, so yeah, there is. We can oh, plan our own know. stuff. We can do little small tournaments sure. every day of the week if we want, yeah. or we can just go to the bar afterwards. Yeah, that's all of the above. All the painter guys came. Yeah. So like, what's the name? Like Sam Lenz was there, and he's doing stuff. Oh, neat. And, and uh, and just like, who's the guy from Warhammer TV? Who's like, who like always does all the painting? Duncan. I think our yeah, Lord and Duncan Savior. Was there. I think that was him. I'm pretty sure he was there. I'm pretty sure I was eating my eggs Benedict, and he was over there eating pancakes. Like I'm, I, you know, but like when I went there the first time, like I had only been in the game for like two months, so I didn't know anybody. But but I'm like, oh, I feel like I've seen that guy before. Like that's me, and everybody else is like drooling over him, being there. Like, I can't believe this guy's here, and I'm like, yeah, it's just it's it's a guy. <laughs> there and I'm He's not totally, just some guy. I know, but like I'm sitting there going like, yes, I'm also very impressed by this man. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, he he's visited the Citadel at least once, and like there was always like a herd of nerds like we're trying to meet him and talk <laughs> a to nerd him. Nerd herd. Yeah, a nerd herd. <laughs> a nerd. Um, and you can actually see the models that he's painted on the YouTube thing in some of the cases at the store, which is pretty neat. But cool. They look nice. He's good well, at it. enough about our Lord and Savior, <laughs> Duncan. Um, let's get to the meat at hand, which is um, talking about community growth. Um, that's one thing that, you know, is one of our pillars here on, on uh, Path to Glory. And so we kind of wanted to take some time and discuss how one should best grow their community if they're interested in doing so. And what are some maybe obstacles or challenges you can face, as well as um, some negative experiences as well when growing your community so i know max you're you're part of a, a gaming group right in up there yeah battle for salvation is actually the name of the club that i go to so that's where we got the name for the for the podcast we just 
it was just the name was already there so we just took it um and and by the way the uh the name comes uh, in case anybody's wondering because it's, it's kind of an odd name apparently the gaming club used to play in the basement of a salvation army and like oh. that's where the name comes from and then they that's actually it. a really cool story yeah well, I, I don't know i wasn't there at the time because it had been going on for a long time i i just i walked in much later on like they had already i mean they were already doing their 10th year of the the big you know 40k gt that's happening up in nyack um which is like in october at some point um which by the way i is already you can get tickets already if you go and look for it um anybody anybody playing a 40k as well out there um and it's it's like this huge like really well-known club and they like i i didn't know and they're just like in my backyard so when i started playing x-wing i went there because a lot of people were playing x-wing and then x-wing kind of dried up and there and then randall's like hey you want to you want to play this one i'm like all right and then i started playing that um but but yeah i mean you know go around i mean the only reason why i found it is because i was trying to play something else but go on the internet that's i mean speaking of community building go join a community you know, go go out there and find stuff and and see who's playing in your neighborhood and don't be afraid to go a little far afield and try other things out. I've I've tried a couple of other game clubs in my area. Um, you know, there's you know there's Carcosa down in in Brooklyn, which is like a big one. Um, and uh, you know, and just and just be a part of something and then see what happens. So I mean, that's that that's one thing you can do. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I think that. Um... You know, this is a competitive game, and I think that, like, a lot of the time we focus on winning and, like, what the best thing to do to win is and things like that. But I think sometimes you can let that desire to win and stuff get a, in front of, like, the fact that really the community is the most important thing and, like, what you need to have is your highest goal because you really need people to play with. <laughs> and, like, yeah. the more people you have to play and the better that they are, like, the better that you're going to be. So, like, I think that it's important to, like, ideally you would have, like, as many top-level players around you, like, as you can get. Because that's how you're going to become the best competitive player that you could be, too. Agreed. Agreed. Um, you've also had great success, Jonathan, in the DFW area in regards to, uh, I guess, forming a local a gaming group or, like, a, you know, like, kind of like VFS. Like, how did you go about doing that? Um, I don't know if I'd call it great success yet, but I feel like we are having some progress. Um, there's a few small, the, the way that DFW, cause it's Dallas, Fort Worth is set up. It's kind of spread out between those two cities. Um, I'm kind of in the middle, which is where the Citadel is. And then there's another store that I'll play at called Texas toy soldier. And it's a great store and they have a lot of 40 K stuff going on over there. Um, but what I've found is that the best thing that I've been able to do is plan and then like religiously attend regular play nights. So like I pretty much play twice a week, Tuesday and Friday, and I'm always the one there and I'm always the one at the, on the Facebook group saying, Hey, I'm going to be there. Somebody should come play, you know? And, uh, it's, you really have to, in my experience, you really have to work to keep it alive. And then, once you become a part of that community and you play games with people and you talk about like, you know, what, what went well, what went wrong. And, you know, a lot of the time there'll be newer players that haven't been playing it as long or, you know, may not be as invested as I am. 
And it's cool because I've, when I first started, I didn't really know what was going on and I was able to learn from people. And then there's a few people that, you know, initially I might've been doing better than, and then now they've been beating me recently and they've won events and things like that. So it's really cool to watch everybody grow and growing it myself um, with these people. And I think we all feel like we're getting better together. And then when we have tournaments, we want to beat each other, but we're always like happy for the person that does win. So I think, I think all of that's really important. And I think that being a part of that regular group is an important part of that rather than like just showing up to certain stores and like trying to steal their trophies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I've done that too. I've done that too. I've done that too. You throwing yeah. some shade at me, Jonathan? <laughs> no, not necessarily. There was one time I went to a store. You got to get the hustle on, man. It was a four-man tournament, and I don't think most of them had played in like you know a month or so. And I was playing Moloch, <laughs> and I just like stomped <laughs> everybody. And, I did like, that. It was like I was glad that I won, but I didn't feel like everybody was really having as much fun as I would want. And I didn't really feel like I was having as much fun. And, like, I don't know because I don't play with all those people all the time. But I don't feel like – I don't feel like that necessarily, like, helped the community as much as it could have. So, really, I think maybe since that experience, I've been trying to put as much effort back into the community. And, like, I've planned an event. Like, we ran an eight-person tournament at the Dallas Open, which is a big 40K event. Um, I'm going to see if we can maybe make it a grand clash next year, something like that. Cause we should have time for two days, things like that. So <clears throat> I just think it's important to realize that without the community around you, you couldn't play this game and like you need to do as much as you can to promote that. I think that's a really valid point. And, and there's one thing that I wanted to kind of, I guess ask is that at what point, you know, you mentioned that you had like this experience with Molog and you kind of felt like everybody walked away like, uh, you know, like that wasn't fun, um, even though you had won. And so the question is, is at what point do you feel like, you know, winning as an individual is bad for your community? And the reason I ask is because I found that while I have been trying to like build a community and like I created a Facebook group, you know, we have a couple hundred players in it. We have, we, I post events every three months. I like blast that there's events happening, try to organize meetups. I've found that because I go to these events and I, and, and I'm not bragging or anything, but I just, I generally win them. It just comes off as like, people are like, oh, I just don't know if I want to play because Amon's going to win. And then the one time that I wasn't there and I was in England and you were there, Jonathan, um, you know, yeah. you had mentioned or someone had mentioned that, like, yeah, I'm here because Amon's not here. Um, <laughs> and so that think, was like... I think I was joking. But <laughs> yeah, well, I think, no, someone had told me that. They're like, yeah, like, some guy was upset that he had still lost even though Amon wasn't there. and Because he was playing Curse Breakers or something, I'm not sure. but mm. and, and that's like, at what point does it become, like, unhealthy for your community? Because that was recently brought to my attention. And that's kind of why I've also kind of, like, keyed back a little bit. Because, like, I want the community to grow. And I just don't want to be that guy who just shows up and, like, wins, if that makes sense. 
I, I think that one thing you could possibly do, Amon, because I've I've done this, is um be the host and just like be like the TO. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think, like like yeah. like not play, you know, and just and just make sure that that people have, you know, just be like the host, make sure everybody has a good time. Um, not to say that playing against like for me playing against you would be a good time, because like I want to that like you're the guy I want to play against. You're the guy like like I like I need. Rafa wants Nadal, you know. Sorry, uh, N- Nadal wants Federer, right? Like right. that's who you want to play, or Djokovic. Like you, you want to play against the best. But um, I can see somebody who's like who's kind of newer um, having an issue with that. Um, a- another thing that you could do to um, kind of combat that, and um, this is something that Chris Spark has been doing, and I always mention him because we we play against each other cam games all the time. Um, but he's been doing like theme tournaments where you put together like crazy decks and play them against each other. So like for instance, he's he's put together this idea of a triple threat deck which was uh, which we talked about on our last episode which is um you have to have three uh faction specific upgrades, gambits and um objectives. You're not allowed to have any restricted cards at all and you're allowed to have one banned card. So oh, wow. just like throwing in like just crazy rules and then just have people kind of like learn what all it, it, it makes people like go deep through the cards and like figure out what might be good. And it also like really plays with the power balance. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a great suggestion. I first of all, I appreciate the kind words uh, thrown my way. But yeah, I, I guess that's something I've been struggling with. Um, and so maybe that is the plan. Maybe I should just take a step back and just TO events and and maybe even create some cool themes because. I feel like there are times, like around a release period, where like, and naturally, like the the community gets more into it, but then it kind of falls back into a pattern where like, okay, cool, the new thing's kind of worn off. Um, let's, you know, avoid going or or at least like I'm gonna focus on something else. Um, but I really do want to build a community, and and I and I thought I was doing a good job, but um, I I've kind of been a little disheartened, and so I think that that's some really good advice, and I think I might just start toing events and, and rebuilding that community um yeah um sorry just an, another like not to keep going back to x-wing but again that's like my other thing there's another podcast for x-wing uh called uh well they used to be called minox squadron but they changed the name recently anyway but there was a guy named the, the guy who was on is d yoon and um and he was talking about how like and I, I hope I'm not misrepresenting him, but this is like what I thought he was saying was that he was he was playing too much and he was winning too often that he just decided to start toing everything and and that's how he stayed as part of the he he became like like the master judge and that's how he became that, that's how he stayed in the community but he wasn't like competitively playing as much especially at like casual stuff yeah yeah I, from from what you've told me Amon to me it sounds like at least from some of these other players perspectives if the only thing that you're doing is showing up to the tournaments and winning and then doing that over and over again, they may not actually feel like you are a part of the community in the same way of like, if you were there every week on the casual days and then you were helping them play and helping them, you know, get better. They may feel like they're not getting anything out of the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like a really important part of any relationship, really. Like it has to be two way, you know, If, if they feel like you're just there to farm, the trophies then i don't think that that's that's probably not a good feeling and i'm not saying that's what you're trying to do but 
you know, if that's what they feel like is happening, then, you know, that's really all that matters. Just, or, you know, that's what they're Yeah, doing. I mean, like, perception's reality. Totally agree. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. Like, I... I mean, yeah, like I, I just like I, I don't have much time for the hobby that I can give because I do so many other things and, and I'm not making excuses, but like, yeah, I can definitely see how that's perceived. And so maybe yeah. you're right. Maybe, you know, I, I take Max's advice and I just start TOing, but, you know, it's just like a dialogue that I wanted to have because I, you know, I just think that it is it is an important part of just being a player in general, especially being a competitive one. And sometimes it just like, yeah, I have friends like, you know, you, Steven, Michael and, and like. Raymond and some of the other guys who just want to play competitive games all the time. But when it comes to, I guess, the general average player, um, I probably should and will tone it down and kind of be more of a um, ambassador figure. Yeah, ambassador. That's a good word, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's really valuable to have like more casual days that you go to and you play with people where the goal isn't just to win and just to get trophies. And it's like, let's practice. Like, let's get better. You know, like. Yeah. Things like that. And then you can all grow together. Um, like I, one of the, it's just, I guess it's a bad thing, but it, you know, it's also not in my area. We probably only have one tournament a month at the most. So the rest of the playtime is just like trying out new things together and practicing, you know, decks for those tournaments against each other. And we'll try out, you know, different iterations of things. And it's, it definitely feels, I mean, it definitely feels like a community and it definitely feels like these people are my friends. And I think that that's really important because, you know, if I've been playing and practicing with somebody and then they beat me in the event, like, that's fine, you know. But if if somebody just shows up and wins, then that doesn't feel as good because I don't know them. And it's sort of, they just sort of feel like they came in and stole it, you know. So... Yeah, that's, that's a great perspective. <laughs> I did <that. laughs> Oh, man, I totally did I, it. I think we've all done that. <laughs> I don't feel so. good about it, but then, like, you know, like, sometimes, uh, you know, I'll just be sitting there polishing my trophy and being like, I was really an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. and, I, and I do think that that's one of the cool things about the try to win with every Warband game, mm. because it's hard. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's in America. I feel like if you like like if you go to the UK, it's they have like 800 of those a, like yeah. every weekend, and I feel like you can go there and just play as crazy as you want. You know, whatever. Who cares? There's like a million places you can go. But like in the United States, like we get, I get, like the the fact. Hold up. There's like four <laughs> or five tournaments this summer. Like like mm-hmm. little shade glass tournaments, like that's a lot over a summer. Like yeah. that's like a lot to me, and it's like they have that. They'll go to two a weekend. I know. That's crazy. Yeah. It is. It is a uh, definitely more events in the UK and in Europe in general. I also think it's because they're a lot closer together and like yeah, the trains they, right away. Exactly. Whereas like if I want to go play with you, I have to fly like three and a half hours. Yeah. That's right. So it, yeah, I mean, definitely agree. Yeah, and that was another thing too is like I was trying to compete for the win a win a glass with every warband, um, but you know, yeah, community is more important over. I don't think that's something we can have here. You know, yeah. like not easy. <laughs> not yeah, because because I think what were, I think what were you doing, Amon? Were you going between like two or three Houston stores and like one in Austin or something? 
Yeah, so we have six stores in Houston that play, and then you know because uh, I I work in Austin and I and I spend here a lot of weekends here, and so for me like I the only reason I go back is like my family and my friends of course, and so you know whenever I'm able to like I try to line them up to where like I can go play some Warhammer as well, and so for me it's just like I it, it's like a nice like I'm visiting my family and I play some Underworlds and maybe get a trophy, so you kill two birds with one stone, but Maybe, you know, it's, I don't know, it's it's tough. Like, like Steven the other day was like, I thought you lived in Houston. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, you know, I, I frequent the tournaments a lot. So it is it is interesting and it's, it's challenging. And I, and I think we've kind of, you know, been pretty thorough with it. But, yeah, I think what I'm going to do as, a, as someone who truly does want to build my community um, is just focus on, hosting more events and, and teaching other players. I know Michael Harness, who is from the Houston area, like got another store. So now we have a seventh store in the greater Houston area that, you know, every Sunday he just goes there for three hours. And if no one's there, he paints. But if someone's there, he like teaches them how to play Underworlds. And I think I need to do something more like that, um, which, you know, I'm really excited to to see where that goes and, and even talk about it, you know, positively in the future. So pretty exciting. Yeah, that's something that I'll do. I usually have a couple starter decks um, in my bag and with my models and stuff. And then I'll have I have a bunch of proxy decks that I use to switch between decks like in one day. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's new but they don't have all the cards but they sort of know how to play, I'll give them one of my decks and kind of explain to them how it works. And then I'll play against them with one of my other proxy decks and I'll just tell them what the cards do. Um, and I think that's another thing that maybe we could mention. I would encourage people to proxy as much as they want to, mm-hmm. because yeah. I don't want to play against a half, you know, a deck that's a starter set and two, you know, war bands worth of cards. Because it's, I don't think either of us are going to learn anything. Yeah, um, I, I would say even at shade glass tournaments, that should be allowed. Because yeah. that's not like high level competition. That's just mm-hmm. like they're more casual, and I think that it should be okay. Let people try stuff out, and you know, let people deal with stuff that they don't necessarily have that they might not have uh, bought yet, um, just to see if it's like worth it for them. Um, so I, I I definitely think that proxying should be allowed up to the shade glass tournament level. Yeah, I agree. I know Games Workshop has specific rules um, in order to protect their. Um, yeah, their brand mm-hmm. and everything, but like local gaming stores for sure. Like I put post-it notes all the time inside, like I cut a po- like rip a post-it note in half, write That's the card on it. And um, yeah, some I of the actually, guys in the community I actually just... write the card text down. Oh yeah. Well, it's important because you know, like especially if it's newer stuff. Yeah. Because then you then they'll be like, wait, because then like you know sometimes you know reaction windows are very specific, True. and maybe you don't remember exactly what the reaction window for my turn is. You know, it's like yeah, what is it's like after the attack. That drives an enemy back, whatever it is. But if you write it down, right? If you just say my turn, then like you have to stop and Google it, and then you have to come back, right? If you just have it written down, it's just yeah. Right. One of the guys in my group just photocopied all his like most played cards. Yep. And so cut them out and like fit them in like in sleeves, like on top of like Magic the Gathering cards or, or Pokemon or whatever. And he um he just has multiple decks and. I think that's fair too. Like, you know, as long as you don't take that to a games workshop or a, a grand clash event, like, I mean, it's your hobby you play it as you want. And as long as you're not selling it either, right. Yeah. Then you're not in violation of anything, which it's a pretty neat trick as well. Yeah. I just don't think you want, you know, just maybe somebody can't afford to drop, you know, 
money on all the war bands right away. Mm-hmm. You don't want that to like negatively affect their play experience Agreed. or feel like they can't, you know, you don't want it to be like a gatekeeping issue for yeah. them. So yeah, and, I always recommend people do that. And another reason why I think that's a good idea is because I think that after you get the basics of the game down, the real challenge in understanding the game uh, to, to a large extent is knowing what all the cards do. Mm-hmm. So if they're playing with just the cards that they have, they're not actually experiencing the full scope of the game. And that's going to put them at a disadvantage when they're playing against somebody who has all the cards. So um, ju- just as like a learning experience to have those cards available and see what they do and how they interact with different war bands and how they interact with different situations and how they dif- interact with different timing windows and all that stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a better idea to ha- let people just have access to the cards all the time. Cause that's, that's what the game really is. Yeah, yeah. Completely agree. What are some other challenges that you guys might foresee when trying to build a community and how do you recommend that players stay positive if they're like not, you know, meeting success or finding it? Mm. me um well i I don't know i'm a high school teacher so i'm used to trying to get people to think that they can do stuff you know so for (laughs) me i just i i I don't dwell too much on the negative aspects and try to uh, make sure that i also say all the positive things they did like that was a good move moving to there because now um now this particular fighter is no longer supported or we can you know and just like talk through like you know, little things that they like, you know, this, uh, that card was a good, was a good card to play there. You could have waited a little bit, you know, but that, but it, it did its effect there, you know, and just try to be positive and try to stay on the good stuff that they did. And, um, and then, and then try to be constructive with criticism rather than, you know, like not constructive. I don't know, like just try to keep <laughs> things, you know, positive and just like experience building and, and, and I guess just like kind of keep it to that. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, for me, some of the challenges in my area, everybody just plays 40K. And it can be hard to get people to want to try another game. Oh, all you got to do is say, hey, look, you can be in and like, you can spend like $100 and play this game. (laughs) And they're all like, that makes no sense. And you'd be like, no, seriously, like you spend 100 bucks, not even, you can spend like 80 bucks and be playing this game. And they're like, that makes no sense. Watch. And then you'd be like, oh, here's my deck that I put together with just the core set and like one other thing. And like, see, and we played. Oh, by the way, this game only takes like 30 minutes. And they're yeah. like, no, that's a lie. I'm like, no, no, 30 minutes and you're done <laughs> with a game. It's like, you mean it's you mean three hours, right? It's like, no, 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 30 minutes. And they're like, that makes no sense. And then they see it and they're like, oh crap, that's 30 minutes and only took me 100 bucks. I can't believe it. I can go home and get, read a book. Like I'm done. <laughs> like, it's amazing. That's the teacher in you. I, yeah, I don't, I don't see why like 40k to me look like that just looks no fun. I don't know. Am I being am I being like mean? I just I, I feel like why would you want to play a game that might be decided in the first 20 minutes and then you have to keep playing it for three hours? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know why, why they want to do that. I, that's why I love Underworld. Like it can turn on a dime. I've played games where I've literally been winning it there. They might be posted on YouTube. You might be able to see it. <laughs> So you know what I'm talking about. So um, and I, I I've been winning for like 
you know, like literally 11 activations and I lost it on the 12th activation. But that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think at the highest level of 40K, when you start playing with like the ITC rules and things like that, I, I, I think it's as competitive or maybe perhaps more. But yeah, it, the three hour games are, actually. Brutal, are just brutal. Yeah, just that seems like a lot. So yeah. To me, to me, that's a major selling point, and it and it has worked. Like there are a number of people that have tried it, and you know it it is working. But I think that's the main thing. You just need to be consistent and play a lot, and be willing to show new people, just like somebody had to show you. You know. Yeah, I think spending a lot of time, like it it, it takes time, right? But if you want to see something grow, everything worthwhile takes effort. And so, you know, if you want to set up a community event in your area or you feel like you want to grow your community, figure out a date and just show up every week. And then eventually, you know, someone's going to be like, what are you doing? And then they'll come and then hopefully they come again and then they bring their friend and then other people see what you're doing and you're having so much fun. And then they join, too. And and I think that would be the most ideal way to try to start a community. But the number one thing, at least from what I've seen and what I've experienced, is like being consistent. Because if you're going to start that community, you're the go-to guy. And if you're not there, at least in the beginning consistently, then, you know, I think your group might fizzle out faster than you think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm, sometimes I'm afraid to skip a day because if if I'm not there and somebody else shows up, that's not a very good feeling. And I've had that happen to me before. So, you know, you just have to be there for everybody and try to communicate and play some games. And, and and if I could add, don't shy away from that responsibility because, like, somebody needs to do it. And if it's something that you love, that means that you need to be the guy or the lady or whatever. Because um, that's part of the reason why I started doing what I've been doing is just like, well, I want to play this game more. I, I better make some events. I better make some content. Like, if this is something I want to do, then I better go do it. So don't shy away from the responsibility of having to, you know – make content, make a blog, make events, talk to store owners and say like, Hey, this game's good too. You want to try it out? Say like, Hey, I will, um, I'll do, um, you know, an underworld shade spire, whatever you want to call it. I'll, I'll do a shade spire, um, you know, uh, learn to play night. Um, you know, if it's something that you're interested in doing, be that person. Yeah. Um, I know some people will do like ladders and stuff where everybody's like, on the they have their name in an order and then if you win you go up one and things like that i think that's probably a cool way to do like weekly events rather than just have like you know one tournament for glass and things like that um i i've heard people talk about it but i haven't actually like tried it like people do like a slow grow kind of situation where they'll have like they'll only allow cards from the starter box and one or two warbands or something like that have you guys done anything like that? Uh, no, not yet. You've done um, it for other game systems, but not Underworlds. Yeah. We've talked, well, I mean, because we remember there was a triple threat thing, which was like kind of a weird thing. Right. Um, we had, uh, Rob was talking, Rob Mead, um, who you, you you know him, Amon, you played him once mm-hmm. at uh, Adapticon. Um, and he, um, yeah, no, he's good. He's, I'm glad to have him in my meta because he actually does work me out. Um uh, he was talking about doing like a draft, but I feel like if you do that, you'd actually have to have people who know what all the cards do first, where you would like, yeah. you would have like a, a pool of cards and like a list and then you would like draft the cards and make uh, decks around that. I just feel like whoever got ready for action would 
<laughs> he had a really strong advantage. Right, right. With the first pick, Rob takes, ready for action. And uh, then everyone groans, and then we're, you this, know. With the second pick, Max takes, escalation. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or so. calculated risk or whatever. Right? Yeah, it's just. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe maybe if you were to do something like that, you could, like, have a list of cards that are ineligible. Hmm. You know, but. I yeah, know. I could see, like, no restricted cards or something like that. Yeah. But. Yeah, neat. I don't know. It'd be interesting if there was a like a good format for that. Um, one of the other things that I think is pretty fun. I don't know if you guys have really tried it. I think maybe Max. I think you've <coughs> talked about this on your podcast before. The uh, the killing the giant mode, the chaos gargant. Yeah, the gargant. I find that to be a lot of fun, and actually yeah. a lot more fun than any of the other uh, like multiplayer. Yeah. so like we literally did that like two times just so we can talk about what it was but <laughs> but but i would say that that is a great thing to do if you're teaching some newbies to play because it's collaborative well it's not really actually that collaborative is it no because really no, no. no it, it ends up it ends up being collaborative for like maybe the first round and then everybody's like, that Gargan's going to go down. And then you're looking at all the other guys going like, all right, who do I kill next? So um, it, it's it's interesting. Um, the other thing is, is that there are clearly some cards that are terrible in that uh, in that uh, particular right. mode I, of play. I, I would say you absolutely have to build a deck specifically for it. Yes. Um, you actually probably want more than the normal amount of cards because you, use, you get so much glory. Like you want more upgrades and stuff. Right, and uh, you you also want to deal tons of damage. Yeah. Like the the more it, and quickly. Right, because uh, the first half of it, he's worth one he's glory worth more. Per yeah, week. yeah. But I, I find that if you're ever stuck and there's only three people at your group, rather than having one person wait while the other two play, the giant is more fun than the normal three-player version because you don't have like a gang up issue. So that's been my experience. What I'd like to see is like a 2v2 format where like if you have four players, you can just like stick four boards together and then maybe you have a shared resource pool of glory or or whatever. And like, you know, you could be playing like like Max, like if Jonathan and I played you and Randall, like we pick two warbands, you guys pick two warbands and like we count each other as friendly fighters and we just go in there and like, you oh, know, I see. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I that think that'd be really neat. And that gets everybody in, and then you can you can have discussions about um, strategy with the person that you're that you're paired up with. Um, and yeah, that that could be a pretty good learning experience, actually. Yeah, especially if it was like you and somebody that was newer to the game or something like that. Yeah, yeah. If you had like yeah, one experienced player and one one noob on the, on each team, sure, that would be good. Definitely, definitely get a lot of um, a lot of constructive, you know just thoughts and, and experience on the game for the for the newer player yeah agreed yeah i think so all right well, well i think that is probably a good uh, conversation about the community yeah um, agreed. <laughs> um i think our the uh, very last thing we're going to do is our community shout outs section um actually i think we have oh go ahead well actually we're going to go over some of the new cards that were released today on Warhammer TV. Oh yeah, let's do that. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> you can oh, edit uh, all that out. Didn't we? Come on, didn't we? No, no edits. We're going through this. And just so go, go for it. Let's <laughs> do it. I'm ready. 
So, yeah, so today, for those of you who didn't know, um, there was a Warhammer TV spot today where started out with John Reese um, talking with Nick Baton about kind of like how the game has progressed since its inception as Shadespire and now Nightvolt. And then um, there were some couple cards that were teased from the upcoming expansion Power Unbound. And so we pulled some of those cards up and we'd like to get some first initial impressions um, of some of these cards. And so um, I guess um, Max and Jonathan, the first card is called Warning Shot. It's a universal objective. Score this immediately when a friendly fighter's attack action with a range three or more fails. One glory. Thoughts? Auto include if you have range three in your warband. Yeah. You're going to miss. I like this one because it has great synergy for me whenever I use Potion of Rage. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm going to miss. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Potion no, of Rage nothing Charles. makes you, you know, like you would <laughs> think that Potion of Rage would make you score more and hit more. But it actually does the opposite. And it's amazing how often it does that. Like, there was a picture that we put up recently of Randall. He was playing the Thorns against, the, against my stupid Guardian Relics deck. And uh, and and he had done Potion of Rage on the Briar Queen, rolled five dice, four supports, and a hammer, and he needs swords. <laughs> yeah. Yup. But no, yeah. it, it, it is a it, – Warning Shot is an, is an amazing card. Yeah, it's, it's really good, I think. As a wizard, like Ilthari and Cursebreaker come to mind very, and even Vortimus, like yep. that's a range three attack. I would put Profiteers, definitely. All of. Hold on a second, go go back on that because the two the Wonder Twins are also range three and they fail all the time. Very oh, good yeah. point. They failed from the jump. I don't so, think they've like, ever not failed. Throw that in there. Yeah. You know what's funny is the time you take this card and you want to score it, they were all like two crits. Well, you know what? <laughs> it's like re- it's like reversed, you know, uh, psychology on them. Yeah, right. They, well, I got this card. Now you guys are gonna hit all the time. They really just want to mess with you. Yeah. That's that's how zinch they are, bro. Exactly. The the thing that I that I was thinking about when I saw this was like, you definitely take this because you know usually it's not a good idea to take cards that bank on you losing. You know, like what's the one where like if all your guys are out of action, you get like three glory or something like that. Do you guys know what that is? Exactly, because um, nobody uses it. Because you're not <laughs> supposed to, but there, but you know that card exists. Point but it's, I, I don't remember what it is, but the, but I think that there's only now there's two that bank on something bad happening to you, and the other one's martyred, and everybody plays with martyred if you have a, a warband that has little guys that get killed all the time, and so you're banking on that screwing up. Now with warning shot, you can either kill something and get a glory, or not kill something and get a glory. You get a glory no matter what. Sounds like a win-win. I think it is. It is literally what a win-win is. So I think it goes in. Far Striders, Curse Breakers, what else? Anything that has range three. You attack. have range, yeah. I think you do it. Because even like a two hammer or a three sword attack is about a fifty percent chance. To yeah. Win. Even goblins. And then you too. have things like last chance. Okay, let me ask you a question, Amon, because you've been playing the uh, the Profiteers so much. Mm-hmm. This goes in the Profiteers deck. Oh, 100%. 100% right away. Because you just shoot with either Garrod or um, Kazgon, and they only roll they, their pistols work off two fury. Yeah. And I can I can see you using this, having this in your hand, and being mad that you're that you're hitting. Yes. Because 100%. it's better to score this one glory than it is to deal one damage. 
Well, yeah, a doubly sown profiteer is because then you inspire someone. Exactly. So yeah, yeah you don't I really could, care if you hit or not. I can definitely see like running Grundon in through a lethal hex, scoring calculated risk, shooting with warning shot, and then you either like you either miss or maybe you score headshot because it's a crit, and then you, you know. Grundon. Oh, did I say Grundon? I'm Garrod. 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 Okay. My bad. And um, yeah, <laughs> and then and then he dies, and then you score martyr. Right. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. And then you're, half your warband inspired. Literally. There you go. Literally half, half of what's left, which is all the important ones anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to put it in Far Striders. I'm probably going to put it in probably even God's Forms. They have two ranged, and yep. I usually do like a darts or something. Um, yep. It also has interesting synergy with Branching Fate, which is another card I like. There mm-hmm. are going to be times when I score both of them at the same time, and it's going to be just nonsense. And this and is it, better than Branching Fate, because this is a basically a 50%. <laughs> and it just has to fail. So yeah. that means you can roll blanks, they can defend out of it, they can rebound you, they mm-hmm. can last chance you, mm-hmm. right? There's like, what else? There's there's a lot of ways. I mean, general consensus, great card. Yep. Yeah. All right, um, next. seeing that one. <laughs> uh, okay, next one. Overpower, universal objective. Score this immediately when a friendly fighter successfully casts a spell. If there was one or more crits in the casting role, one glory. It feels good with well of power. Yeah. I mean, it's just headshot for spells. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, right. Yeah, totally is. You it's just good. Take, you got a wizard, you take it. <laughs> but you can use gambits. Like it's. If, if you're doing spells, I think you take it. Yeah. 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 I think curse breakers and guardians are gonna love this for sure, and Vortimus in the eyes. Well, yeah, there's Vortimus on the. On the front right there, doing mm-hmm. some sort of kung fu stuff. Yeah, he's um, <laughs> yeah. I think, and this could actually even make Godsworn more viable, like for the magic build, because now you can score, um, warning shot, overpower. Um, so I mean, it's it's quite interesting. Well, we haven't even gotten to warning shot. No, 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 that was the last one. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah, no, I would I would say definitely. Definitely. Cool. Oh, I mean, I think anything. And and with uh with Thedra, put what's that one? Arcane Savant on her. She's rolling three dice on stuff. Akshi, whatever. Um, you're gonna you're gonna roll some crits. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're me. True. <laughs> um, that's what next... warning shots for. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. what warning yeah, shots exactly. for. <laughs> Until you hit. Um, it's okay. So next card is Sorcerer's Flourish, Gambit, Universal, Reaction. Play this after resolving a spell cast by a friendly fighter that damaged one or more enemy fighters. Choose one of those enemy fighters. That fighter suffers one damage. That's nasty. It's like literally like Pit Trap or Twist the Knife. It's Pit Trap for spells. Yeah. yeah. Twist the Knife, yeah. yeah um, it's crazy. Plus it's a reaction, so you're going to want to put it in a Guardian's deck. Oof. Yeah. Yes. It's really <laughs> I guess good. It's really good, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Next All one. those crazy curse breaker ones that like deal damage across the table. Yeah, know, this this would like thunder. cry of thunder and yeah. maybe like uh, damned pact. Yeah, damning pact. Yeah. Do an extra yeah. damage. You do three damage from infinite range. Yeah, it's, it takes um, three cards, but I mean it's worth it. Like yeah. even if um, especially if the person's like a tome bear or a relic bear, like they can't roll defense. Uh, yeah. Or it's Snurk. Okay, you have three dodge. Cool. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm just going to axe you and then like hit you for another one. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. That's good. Okay. One. Next one. Universal upgrade, spirit bond. When you apply this upgrade, choose a friendly fighter other than the one who receives this upgrade. While the fighter you choose is on the battlefield, <coughs> they're always considered to be a supporting fighter. Yeah. So it's kind of like Tethered Spirits. No, not Tethered Spirits. What's one? Helpful Whispers. Helpful Whispers. Helpful whispers. That's the one. But it also yeah. works on defense. Yeah. Oh. I think it's really good. Yeah. I think it's cool. I like how it like is connected to another fighter, so there's like an off button if you want. But yeah, cool. unless you're playing like Skaven or, or Skellies and you can just bring them back. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. That would yeah. be good on them. Yeah. I general consensus, all guys, all these cards are great. Um <laughs> Yeah, I if you haven't noticed yet. <laughs> yeah, they're great. All the ones that have been spoiled anyway. Which is yeah. by the way, remember the leaders pack and there's like literally two good cards in it? Like we're yeah. we we we're yeah. already four for four. Yeah, we're four for four. You got to take these. Um, which I think we're about to be five for five because the next card is called Spectral Armor, Universal oh Upgrade. Oh if this fighter's God. defense characteristic is dodge, they have plus one defense. Yeah, that's like okay. So any dodge warband, guardians, you just throw it in there. Yeah, and John used this in his in the games on the stream today. And he had the queen up to four dodge with acrobatic and this. I right, think. right. Cause acrobatic <laughs> is basically just, the same thing. It's just silly. And then yeah. or you can have two different ghosts at three dodge. Like, all or right. You can, or you can have four. Like, this is perfect for, like, a tome caddy because you have four oh defense. God. And then they get through it, and you're like, cool, last chance. Right. Yeah. Well, with the tomes or the... I was looking at the relics. If you put it on a relic snark deck, like he would just, he'd be impossible to kill. Five because dice. Because you can, can re-roll them. those dice too. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> we just broke the game. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um. So so let let, let let's keep going. We'll talk about what we think about all this at the end. Yeah. yeah more. Sure, sure. More. Okay. So now we get into faction, faction cards, cards here. Yeah. yeah. So they, they gave one for each, uh, but they didn't have the image for the Profiteers, so I'll try to work off memory when we get to that one. But this is the first one for the Curse Breakers. Score this immediately if a friendly Rastus and a friendly Amos are both holding objectives after an activation, one glory. I think that that's decently balanced. That's a little hard to pull off. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so by the way, the card's called Focal Formation, but I think it's interesting because you can it's after an activation. So it's not at the end phase. It's, mm. it's just like, okay, it's cool. It's not supremacy. Like, yeah. Yeah. So you can, or even like a tactical supremacy, right? You can play, um, what's it called? Cover ground or, or what's the one where your leader can like move two fighters? Uh, quick advance. Quick advance. Yep. And then you can just like pop them over if they like started on a next two objectives and on, next to their starting hexes and you scored a glory. Right. Or you can feign way and sidestep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that would do it. Um, I mean, there's a lot of ways to score this. Uh, it would take some doing, though. Um, I think what makes it a little bit more strong is that it's just like it's after an activation and not in an end phase. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's a really cool card. I mean, it would be amazing on other factions. Um, like if this was a ghost card or something, that would be nuts. Um, but I like the design of it. I, I, I feel like it its usefulness peters off as the game goes on and maybe you lose one of those fighters or 
Like yeah, it just gets harder for the, you to want to be on an objective. Yeah, if you get it in like round three, chances are it's not going to be helpful. Yeah. So I don't know how much we'll see it, but it is really cool. Yeah. yeah. I'd probably try it. I'd probably give it a try. Um, especially if you're playing more of a turtley stormcast kind of a thing, where you're just like sitting back and just maybe move to one and then move to another. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 passive. Like your your opponent can't do much to stop you. Unless they have, like, distraction. Yeah. yeah. But it, but it's also after the activation, right? So the activation ends, and then you go to the power step. Oh, so. that's true, yeah. So you would just get it even before they could do that. Yeah. And yeah. and I think it's really cool, because doubly so, if you are playing a passive storm or a curse breaker deck, you can just get on the objectives and then block feign ways. Yeah. yeah. That's true. All right. So, yeah, it's Potential a cool card. for sure. Yeah. Next card. Uh, Night Haunt card. Deathly Clutches. Score this immediately when two or more friendly fighters become inspired at the start of your activation. One glory. Um, Randall plays a really good Thorns uh, deck, and a lot of times I'll notice that he will be able to do that, where he gets two, uh, two Chain Rasp to, to inspire simultaneously. He'll use, uh, what is that one? Drifting Advance. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, he'll have one already going to happen i'm like i don't care if you know uh you know clamps is gonna get you know whatever who cares about <laughs> that guy and then and then he like was it what, what's the one that where you can like um sudden appearance sudden appearance and then like the the briar queen is next to me all of a sudden yeah and then it's like so i i can see that being scored pretty easily yeah i agree it wouldn't take a lot of doing yeah it's an interesting card i definitely think the, the, the thorns of all the factions have the tools to do it consistently. Um, but definitely see if it'll be played or not. We'll see. Um, next card. So this is actually interesting. So this is a Gits card, Zarbag's Gits. It's not an objective. It's a gambit. It's called Leaping Loon. Your leader has plus two defense in the next activation. Yeah. Meh. 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 <laughs> well, why, are yeah. why are you protecting Zarbag so much? Well, and you play it before they attack, so it's like and they can you just, just play attack. it and then they just don't attack you. Exactly. Or they go attack someone else. I mean, the one thing that I, I do see this being effective is like if it's the last activation and he's your tome caddy or a relic caddy, and you just like really don't want him to to get killed, then you drop this card and it almost solidifies your win, maybe. Sure, but isn't isn't Snurk going to be your Tome Caddy? Uh, it just depends. Yeah, I mean, he's probably a better one, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even... I... Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying, it's like, of all of the Warbands whose leaders mean, I think, the least to the Warband, I think the Gits are the one. So I, I don't know if it's really that important to, to save Zarbag. Yeah, I mean, the, maybe the, the only way is to, like, deny a, um, a vicious duel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From a Molog. But on, on the off chance that you run into a guy who's, who's playing that. Yeah. True. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. I just think it doesn't quite have enough usefulness for me to... I, I would feel a little bit better about it if it didn't say your leader. Yeah. Yeah, if you got to pick which fighter, I'd think about that, I guess. I mean, we just went through, like, seven killer cards. <laughs> this one just feels like a letdown. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's bound to happen somewhere, right? I guess so. Yeah. Okay, I guess we'll move on to the next one. 
Speaking of bound to happen. Yeah. So Zinch card. Yes. Score this immediately if a friendly fighter is the target of an enemy attack action with a dice characteristic of three or more that fails. One glory. It's Miraculous Escape. <laughs> yup. Yup. Same card. Yeah. Okay. So you put so you put this in the deck. You put Miraculous Escape and Martyred. You'll definitely score something when they attack the Wonder Twins. And you're you're probably taking Last Chance. And you're probably taking Acrobatic and the other one. Oh yeah. Oh but yeah, the new one. Hold on. Wait, wait. What is it called? Spectral Armor. Okay, so yeah. got both of those. So Vortimus has four <laughs> defense dice and last chance. I mean, I don't think it's bad. Like, I don't think Miraculous Escape is a bad card. I've, I've been playing it a little bit more yeah. lately. Yeah. I was before Profiteers and Guardians, because both of those guys have two dice, like, on everybody. But... Well, I think in a, in a Stormspire, or a Stormsire meta... Chris Baker meta, which looks like it's going to happen. It could be pretty useful. Um, could be. Yeah, both of the Thunder Buddies get it. Yeah, plus because everyone yeah, nowadays always buddies. runs Potion of Rage and Haymaker. Yeah. So. Yeah, and Last Chance is a three up to score it. So, yeah. Why not? Not bad. Next card. I, ho- I hope they give Eyes of the Nine a little bit more love than this, though. I mean... <laughs> They're yeah. such a baller-looking group, and they're just not that good. And they need they need something. Yeah, I, I hope so, People too. People love their Zinch. Yeah, I think Zinch is a really cool concept. I just don't know if it's translated well into Underworlds thus far. So. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like they are benefiting from all of this magic stuff. Um, yep. But so are everybody else. Yep. I mean, I, I think maybe Eyes are better than some of the Shadespire things now. Uh, I mean, a lot of those Shadespire warbands are, yeah. yeah, they they either have to, you know, what they could do. I mean, uh, we're we're getting off topic a little bit, but they, uh, you know, they they've been re they because the thing is that people really like skeletons. There's some people who really love them. People really love dwarves. People really love like you know whatever it is, corn. But they've been reissuing them kind of in slightly different forms in, in, into like if you love playing Stormcast then you can play Curse Breakers if you really love to play sorry what was that <laughs> this boy is breathing hard oh man I, I, I thought he was like I thought that was like one of those oh no what is he crapping all over me anyway sorry. so um, but you know like like they, you know people really like dwarves but now we have gun dwarves Right? I mean, do, I don't know. People think yeah. those are the same thing. I think that those are the same thing, right? I think you know, so. we need to get we need to get another orc warband in there. Yeah, looking forward orc to another orc one. Right. Um, but but I I feel like they've been trying to bring them bring the other ones back. You know, those the 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 older warbands and like have updated you know factions for them, and I hope they continue to do that. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Um. I, I, I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll see. It's just, I guess as the game progresses, right? Like, I guess the shiny stuff will always be better. It's kind of like how it works in all the other games too. So, yeah. who knows? Hopefully, they pay attention to some of the older stuff as well. Um, yeah. So next card. I, I'm, um, I'm trying not to get go down the rabbit hole of what you're yeah. at that because yeah, that's like no, no. that's like a whole other episode. That is that is. Yeah. We might have you back for that one. But all um, right. 
I'm nah, I'm, not, I'm I'm not really in in the camp that you need to do that, but <laughs> I'm, I'd, I'd be a bad person to talk to you about that. Oh yeah, well I mean I don't I'm, know. I'm not I'm not attached to anything. You know I'm not attached. I don't I don't know the lore or anything like that. I'm not attached to bringing any one of those guys back. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. Oh okay. Well, yeah. Let's just I guess move on to the next card. Yeah, just oh. go for it. <laughs> so next card is a Godsworn card called Worthy Kill. Score this immediately when a friendly fighter makes an attack action that takes an enemy fighter with a wounds characteristic of four or more out of action. Two glory. Oof. Wow. Auto include. Yeah. Forgot yeah, Sworn? Are you kidding? They they already have this card for one glory, and I was taking that. So now they have it for two. Yep. I'm gonna yeah, take them both. Could, you could effectively score both of them off a kill and then get four glory. Yep. Yeah, I think Godsworn just got the the strongest score immediately card in the game. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's, it's up there it's, with Obliterated. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Obliterated is pretty good. Yeah, that's a nasty card. If you if you can get it to work. My favorite part about this card is Stormsire is getting killed. <laughs> yeah, he totally. <laughs> he's got he's like a spear thrown like Jagatha just nailed him. Love yeah. it. Yeah, right in the right in the gut. Yeah. I'm going to throw so many Godsworn at Galagan that it's going to be painful, but hopefully it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Um, nah, yeah. I guess he could, he'd be really good for Miraculous Escape, too. But Galagan? Maybe. Great. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, Consensus, great card. So, I guess we're back up on the strong power level. Yeah, um, well, so- I mean, that's, I mean, for a faction specific card, for a warband that wants to kill stuff anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Yep. Well, next card then. Um, so this is an upgrade for Ilthari's Guardians, Spite Thorn Arrow. Uh, four range, three hammers, two damage. Restricted to Onslaying. Rolls of a dodge are not successes against this attack action. Discard this card after making this attack action. Hmm. Hmm. So I really liked this card until I read the last sentence. <laughs> yeah. I I still think that you put it in a Guardian's deck. I still think it goes in there. Really? Yes, I do. Um, because you, don't, don't forget, like, the entire point of, you know, like, Nullstone Arrow was that it, it increased her, um, it increased her, uh, her, her, uh, Range. Damage. Well, no, damage, really, oh, okay. um, because you needed to deal more damage with her to try to kill stuff and get the reaction to go off. Um, but Are you talking thing, about the spear? The spear, yeah, the Nullstone Spear. Why? What did I say? Arrows. Oh, sorry. No, Nullstone Spear, my fault. So, Because I'm looking at the word arrow right now on this card. Right. Um, so, <laughs> no, that's what... Anyway, so so I, I still think this is great. It gives her an extra die. It gives her an extra damage, and it has kind of like a weird functional cleave against um against dodge warbands i still think yeah that is really good i still think you play this range four i I guess my problem with it is that i'm just generally not a fan of the fighter restricted cards yeah if i'm playing guardians i'm already going to take i think it's called warding defense for galligan and like onslaying has a low health pool yeah doesn't really do much so people do tend to avoid her but like, people keep her in the back, so you hit and pass through your fainway, and you get you get a kill. 
And then now you draw this card. And yeah, now like... it's a dead card. I don't know. I, I really like um, Ensorcel Javelin, too, for Jigathra. I just like the idea of like something just coming out of nowhere and throwing something from like deep. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Ensorcel Javelin, at least you get to keep it. You know, it keeps going over and over again. Uh, I, I kind of like, no. like it, though. I, I like it. I just I just like the 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 range on it, the extra damage and the um, the accuracy of it. But I, I can I can see it being a liability too. I think it is a great upgrade. Like on anybody else, I would be perfectly fine with that. But I, it's weird how it doesn't have any synergy with her reaction really, because like then you're just using the normal attack. So you have to set yeah. up something wonky, or you have to have like a pit trap or something. Or although I guess if you had like her really tooled up with like Glory Seeker or something, it could start getting scary. Yeah, Glory Seeker would work on this. Fighter's Ferocity would work on this. Yeah, she could take down uh, Scritch, Briar Queen, Mortimus. From a distance. Yeah. yeah. Yep. She's got like a, a threat range of nine. Or does she move five <laughs> yeah, or four? Yeah, she moves four. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, she inspires to five. Yeah. Well, there you go. I guess if you're going to put all your eggs on her, you might as well. Oh, no, I'm thinking of the leader. Too. I'm thinking. That's the leader that does it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but still eights across the board, basically. Um. And if you hit something from range four, you could conceivably knock it back and then be out of their threat range, depending on what they're playing against. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of like it. I, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I, know if I'm I, sold on it yet. I see where you guys are coming from, but just that just that extra dice, that extra damage, and that extra range is just kind of... Uh, I'll use the, giblin- the giblinism. Tasty. Juicy. Oh. Juicy. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. If you take it, do you still take the spear? Ooh. Well, the spear works on other things. Like, you put the spear yeah. on Scathel and get some range on him. And That's you true. still get the crit damage, too, yeah? Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Cool. Well, the last card, I did write this one down when I heard it. Um, so it's called... It's the, there, was, the, there was a Molog card, too, wasn't there? Oh, was there? Did I miss it? There was. It was. Yeah, you can only was, put uh, it. I remember you can only oh, put it on the. Uh, it was an upgrade. Oh, I know what it was. It was Spark of Sentience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah upgrade. It on any of the squigs. Yeah. Reaction. After this fighter's activation, draw a power card. Restricted to bad squig, spide shroom, and stalag squid. That's yeah. pretty good. Eh. You think so? That's pretty good. Because you're going to spend so many of your – well, it's, it's it's okay. I remember when I was playing Molog, I would spend a lot of my activations drawing cards anyway. Mm-hmm. So then that would give you some motion on those guys and you'd still be able to draw the card. Um, another thing you could do is you could bag up tricks, draw a card, and then draw a card. Yeah, you can go on guard too. Go on guard and draw a card. And draw a card and then play bag of tricks and draw another card. Or... Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that it, it might open you up to a little bit more um, uh, action economy. So my problem with this card is that it, it's an upgrade, and if you have a spare glory, why are you not putting an upgrade on Malon? Yeah, I see that too. I guess there is probably a point, well, at some point during the game with Malog where you start getting like diminishing returns from you know, upgrade after upgrade after upgrade. Um, but I don't know when the perfect time 
in the game to draw this would be. If this is the only upgrade in your starting hand, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> yeah. So. I just don't know if it's like, if maybe like for fun, but if you're going to a Grand Clash or even a local that you really want to win and, and you're going to do like 10-10 or 11-11, I don't know if you, you take this. I'm not sure. Hmm. I don't yeah. think I would. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, I, I would play, I would like to play around with it and see if it actually is helpful. But I, I can see it kind of being maybe helpful, but certainly not in round one. Cause I could see if you were doing like a tome deck or a relic deck or some kind of weird off-meta thing, it could make the cut. Yeah, maybe if you're just fishing for tomes or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. We'll have to. Pl- nah, I guess we'll have to play around with it. Um, yeah, I, I can see. Yeah, all right. I've, yeah, we 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 we've said what we're gonna say about that. I think. <laughs> yeah. So the last card that wasn't on the thing, but I did write it down. It's a Thunder Profiteers card. It's called Duarden Resilience Ploy. The first time a friendly fighter suffers any amount of damage in the next activation, they only suffer one damage. Demonic resilience. Pretty much. Yep. It's good. It's good. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's very good on him actually. Um, so you could effectively like saves you from Molog. It saves you from Amos. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to stall out a turn like that, where you effectively can't lose somebody, is <coughs> it's amazing. It's amazing in the aggro warbands that already have it, and it's gonna be really good. Yeah, I think you play Demonic Resilience with Magor all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would definitely use that one if I was playing. I don't know. I haven't played. I haven't played any of those uh, the Thundrix Profiteers yet. I haven't put it on the uh, the board yet. I played against it quite a bit, and that would suck if I was trying to kill one of them, and all of a sudden they're like, "Yeah, you know, you just, you'll chip at me a little bit. That's fine." Now I'm out of position. Especially yeah. if you played Haymaker or something. Right. Well, well, the thing is, it's um, but you have to play this in the power step ahead of time, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But so do you, so. But so does Haymaker. Right. And and you would probably play if you're going to set up the attack next. So you, your your opponent would say power pass to you, and then you would say, okay, well, I better get this ready, Haymaker, and then you play that at me, and I'd be mm-hmm. like, well, why the hell did I just throw a Haymaker? Like that was I just threw that card away. Because now I'm not going to, I'm, I'm either going to be out of position trying to do one damage to you, or I'm going to have to just abort the attack. Yeah, or you attack someone else, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think this also allows you to play a little bit more aggressive with Thundric. Because, you know, you don't want him to die because you can't inspire, but if you think there's a really good play, and you have this in your hand, you could reasonably commit him to a play, play this card in the power step, and then he's effectively safe. Yeah, that's true. You could hidden paths, shoot something, then play this, stall out their turn, and then shoot again. Yeah. I, I guess the only time where it wouldn't work is if, like, someone hits you with a Spear of action in the power phase. like, mm-hmm. Or it's in the next activation, actually. So, yeah. It would only... Yeah. So, I guess, yeah, you're pretty safe. And I guess we're going to have to wait till we see the card. But the way that they set it, it sounds like things like... Uh, it sounds like it's the first time they take damage. It's not, I don't think it's worded quite the yeah, same. Yeah, it's, it's worded the see. first time a friendly fighter suffers any amount of damage in the next activation. They only yeah, suffer one damage. Nice so, yeah. 
We'll just have to see, but it's 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 great no matter what. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Well, that so wraps rich up get our, richer, uh, huh? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty so. much. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess, what are your thoughts, Max and, and Jonathan? Like, what do you think of the cars we've seen today? Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that pretty much sums it up. I think that the, the good stuff is getting better. Um, I guess I'm glad that Godsworn and Eyes are going to be doing a little bit better. And, I mean, to some extent, like, Curse Breakers and the Dwarves and uh, the Guardians can, can really only get so much better because they can only take so many cards in their deck. And I feel like they're already, like, full of amazing cards now. So, <laughs> like, maybe you could say that the eyes and the Godsworn got a, like had a higher percentage of gain from this, but ooh, yeah, it's gonna make choosing what cards to throw in certain warbands decks. Like th- those Grand Clash decks are gonna be loaded. Yeah. Oh, the meta is gonna be crazy. Like there's a Grand Clash coming up soon. The 16, it cuts to 16 in the two day. Yeah. In the UK, yeah. that's gonna be crazy. ATC, ETC, Nova, Gen Con, everything, man. It's gonna be nuts. I I guess this I don't know if this is a bold prediction or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were only like five factions in that top sixteen. Yep. No, that that does not that that yeah. does that rings true with me. I mean, I, I feel think like it would be bold to say that there would be like a Shadespire <laughs> faction. In maybe there. one. I mean, maybe Farce Riders just because there's a lot of rangy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Farce Riders did get some collateral uh like advantages right. from uh, the other stuff that they were throwing in. Yeah, yeah, that's true. yeah. I, I, it just, it seems like a, like a lot of just good stuff. And it's like, what do you choose at this point? Um, I, I hope that the other cards, uh, allow for more different, like varied play styles to be more, um, viable. I hope that they put some stuff in there for the objective warbands and stuff for the magic warbands and, you know, um, so stuff for the defensive warbands because. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff is like, eh, well, that's defensive. That's pretty good. The spectral armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I just hope I, I hope to see a little bit more of that, like stuff to to, to make different like play styles more viable. I generally yeah. agree with that. I also think, I think that some of these cards are so good. Like the biggest warband jump you'll see is Eyes and the Eyes just become really. I think they'll be a lot better just off these magic and range cards. But my concern is that once these cards start getting out of hand, which they will, um, on like Curse Breakers and Profiteers and Guardians and such, yeah. what's going to happen is they're going to eventually get restricted. And then who's going to suffer the most? Not the Guardians or Curse Breakers or Profiteers, because they already have great cards. Eyes it's going to be Eyes of the Nine. It's going to be Godsworn. It's going to be some of those other warbands that needed these cards, but will suffer in the future because, like as you said, the rich got richer. Yeah. But that's kind of always been the problem is that those factions are just sort of better stat-wise and card-wise. And mechanics-wise. Yeah, mechanics-wise. And then universals, if they're good for anybody, if they're good for a good faction, they're going to make that faction even better. So, I don't know. I do think that Abandoned Restricted List that targeted most of these really good magic and really good ranged cards could improve things it, it would smooth things out because i feel like if you're a ranged or a magic warband it's almost like you get to take 
you know, seven or eight restricted cards or restricted level power cards, you know. Um, like, especially stuff like Archer's Focus, like, that is a restricted card for other warbands and Awakened Weapon. Yeah. And same with Well of Power. It's even better than Awakened Weapon. And I mean, I guess you have to be inspired, but that's not really an issue most of the time. Um, Certainly not. I feel like Akshi is better than Trap. I feel like the new uh, spell that's like Twist the Knife or Trap or whatever, like that's that's on the same level or higher as any of those. So I just feel like we're, it's like the old war bands that don't have access to that stuff are doing the band restricted lists and the new war bands, it's like they just don't have a list. <laughs> so, or they get to double dip. They get to take all the good stuff from the new thing and then they get to take five restricted cards too. Yeah, that's a valid point. I think, Yeah. I think we're, I mean, I guess we'll see, right? Cause it goes for pre-order Friday, yeah. this Saturday and then it'll release the following Saturday. So I guess we'll have like a month to generally see where the game goes, but I would, hope that if the game does become a little crazy, like it kind of did towards the end of Shadespire, that there would either be like a, like a swift and strong update, or what I believe will most likely happen is that we'll probably see... I think you told me this, Jonathan, the other day, or maybe even this morning, where like they'd probably just um, restrict a whole bunch of cards like they did when the new season came out. Just like straight out the box? Yeah, like you remember when like they first Fired introduced up. the bar list, and like all those cards just got nailed after Echoes of Glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that was in the middle of season two, so I mean maybe that's what they'll do. They'll just wait. We'll just, you know, then the rest of season two will be crazy. We'll get into season three, and they'll they'll do some balance changes then. I don't know, because that was the first band restricted list they'd ever done, and I think it was great. Um, I actually think the game was in a really really good place. All the way up until the Godsworn Moloch release, <laughs> Damn. and then I then I feel like we didn't really get any more restrictions after that, and then it's sort of slowly gotten out of control. Yeah, that was a great little little time right there between the introduction of Nightbolt and and Molog's release. That was like, yeah, skeletons like, were was, winning things. Yeah, that was peak. Yeah. Then I think Moloch, so. like, what do oh man, what do we do now? We got to throw in Cruel Taunt all the time now. Yeah. No, that's a really good point, and and I'm I'm generally surprised um, to see that there's been, I mean I'm I'm sure we're due for one, right? Like I'm sure there's one cooking, and so I hope that it targets the right things. I don't know. I mean like <laughs> Nightbolt yeah. is Nightbolt. The second half of Nightbolt has been nuts. I agree, and so uh, this just takes it to a whole other level. Yeah, I mean they've done a good job in the past. So yeah, I guess we just hope that it happens again. Yeah, yeah. they can continue their their excellent work. Yeah, and there's there's another and there's another 45 or so cards that we haven't even seen yet in this thing. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah I mean, true. who knows? Like they could have just picked all the great ones off the bat, and then you know just to get people hyped. Um, I do have a feeling that there'll be some surprises, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's all better than the leaders pack. <laughs> oh yeah, already. Be, and sure. I bought that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm gonna buy it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I'll definitely get so. a copy. Um. Cool. But yeah, and it didn't mean to sound too negative at the end. Anyone <laughs> who's listening, it's you know we all. I mean, I I think I can 
confidently speak for everyone when we say we love this game and um, we really enjoy playing it. Uh, that's why we spend so much time developing content and, and just playing it in general. I just think that, you know, in any version of a game or iteration, you know, there can always be improvements. And so we just, you know, we have full confidence in the team. You know, we just, I just think we're, we're waiting on it. Right. So, um, yeah, if you guys disagree. No, no, no. We're kind of in that weird, like, we don't know what's going to happen kind of phase. So like, this is all conjecture. Yeah. But um, but we we're very protective over the game, too, and we want to make sure that it stays viable. And then when we, you know, they release like 10 cards and like seven of them are really kind of great. Yeah. We're like, uh oh, there's another 45. How good are they? Yeah. Right. And it just makes us a little nervous. Yeah. And you I, know, we I don't want to get out of hand. I think that's what it is. Like we like we were talking about, we put a lot of effort into the community and into the game. And uh, we just want it to be the best and the most enjoyable that it can be. Yeah. It's also exciting. I mean. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's super exciting to see some of this stuff and can't wait to see what else is coming. But it's um, I think that's right, Max. It's, it's a little <laughs> concerning. Or at least we're wary. So, yeah. I mean, cool. you know, we might get it and be like, eh, those are the only seven good cards. They're still great. <laughs> They're still, but they're still pretty good. Yeah, I think we'll see them everywhere. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. All right. Well, I think that is uh, it. Yeah, Max, That's thank enough. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Max, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We really appreciated your Absolutely. thoughts. And, and I had a great time. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. And uh, it's nice to, uh, I don't know, it's nice to not have to quarterback one of these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you so much um all right everyone that was it for this episode if you have any feedback questions comments let us know on facebook path to glory podcast you can follow us on podbean you can also find the show notes for each episode there you can rate us on itunes and listen to us on spotify so thank you for listening and we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory nice nice baby right that was fantastic. That was Honestly, good. You, you just took it to a whole other level. I love it. <laughs>